Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Rizzio and I'm the host of the show where I get to interview Olympic athletes on their story and path to the games today. Very cool guest. We have Mike Hickson. He is an Olympic silver medalist in diving. Uh, Mike was a super cool dude, very charismatic, very easy to talk to, very easy for this conversation to flow for me. So I hope you guys get a little bit of information out of it. He's such an incredible person. He's got a lot going on and I love his mentality and his uh, tenacity and his mental fortitude. It's just so cool. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Without further ado, Mike Hickson. All right. Today, special guest, Mike Hickson, USA Diving, born July 16th, 1994, up in cold, chilly, beautiful Amherst, Massachusetts. Started diving at the age of five, and his mom was actually his coach. So really excited to get into that. It's a family affair. Went to the uh, went to Indiana University, make sure I get, get my, uh, my letters and numbers correct, where he was a three-time NCAA champ, 2014 NCAA Diver of the Year, nine-time NCAA All-American. He was, is a 12-time U.S. national champ, and in 2016, he won a silver medal at the Olympic Games. Mike, thanks for hanging out with me today, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Michael. No problem at all. Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, I've so I've been to Amherst and it's absolutely gorgeous up there. I loved my time. I had a buddy um, in college who went to University of, of Massachusetts Amherst. So I absolutely loved it. So and I know it's very important to you. So I guess if you don't mind taking us all the way back about 20, 24 ish years. Um, and let's start the story. How's it sound? Yeah, geez. Yeah, long time ago. <laughs> uh, getting older and older. Um, yeah, I mean, Amherst is an un- unbelievable place. Uh, absolutely great community. Um, that's one thing I really felt during the Rio games too, is just like the support from that community. It's small town America. And, uh, I mean, it's unbelievable in that way. Um, but yeah, growing up there was fantastic. My dad was basketball coach at Amherst college and my mom was diving coach at UMass for my dad's actually going to be in his 42nd year as the head coach at Amherst. So wow. Congratulations to him. Yeah. He's a lifer. And, uh, my mom coached at UMass for about 16 years. So uh, it was great just sort of growing up in an environment where I was constantly surrounded by athletes and, you know, grew up in a pool and in a gym mm-hmm. and it was a lot of fun. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, what was it like? I mean, that's probably, you kind of got used to it, I'm assuming at some point, but like at what, like at what point were you like, holy crap, like these are some of the best athletes in the country and you're like, what, seven, eight years old, just kind of hanging out with them. I mean, did that, what was that kind of like? getting you into the spirit? Was that any motivation? I mean, you were relatively young or, I mean, it was for a long period of time, but how did that kind of affect you growing up? Yeah, well, it's funny, you know, to me, it was just my life. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Know, one, mm-hmm. one day I had to like, you know, I remember like I was talking to one of my friends and he was just like, yeah, you know, like my dad works in like some real estate office. And like, wait, everyone's parents don't do this. Like, you know, I thought everybody grew up in a gym and mm-hmm. everybody was always hanging out with these athletes, but no, it was, it was definitely special and unique. And I definitely look back and really appreciate my upbringing in that way. That is, yeah, I mean, that's super unique. And yeah, it's funny. I've, I've had those moments throughout my life where I was like, wait, this isn't how everybody lives. Oh, shoot. Let me uh, take a step back and figure this out. Um, so you started diving at five and immediately your mom was your coach. As you said, she was the uh, coach at UMass Amherst, if I'm not mistaken, for 16 years. Um, what was that like? I mean, were you with the college team? Like, how, how was that experience that she coached you after practice? Like, tell us, tell us a little bit about that and really what it meant to have your mom be such an even more important figure in your life growing up right um I, you know when I first started it wasn't very serious you know uh like I said I was sort of at the pool when she was at practice and I would get in every once in a while the big deal you know I got to there's a little trick you can do where you hang by your feet from the three meters uh springboard and it's just like kind of a goofy trick but I mm-hmm. thought that was so cool when I was five so that's kind mm-hmm. of gets you in the water um but you know I grew up playing a ton of different sports and then um you know eventually 
started focusing on diving when I was about 12 years old. But yeah, uh, diving for my mom was, was, you know, pretty special. It's sort of one of those things where the, the highs are inflated, mm-hmm. they're, they're even more special. And then the lows are, are really tough too. Um, you know, we, we grew up with no resources. And that was to me like one of the most special things. If you've ever been to the pool at UMass, not to, you know, throw any shade at the, the people at UMass, but it's, there's just nothing there. I mean, it's, it's about as barren as it gets. It's about as raw as it gets. And, you know, it was just me and my mom, especially once I started taking it seriously, it was pretty much just me and her training by ourselves in this pool with no resources and, you know, trying to get to an Olympic Games, trying to be the best in the country. Um, and to me, that was, you know, certainly one of the most special things I've ever done with anybody else. It was just, mm-hmm. it was incredible. I mean, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it's, it's not a common thing. Let's just say that. Um, but yeah, I mean, coming, coming from somewhere like UMass, again, not trying to throw shade, as you said, but at the same time, just understanding the, the, what you need, like the bare minimum, and then being able to receive something. I've spoken with a couple divers from Indiana uh, University. And I hear you guys got some pretty nice facilities there. You guys aren't messing around. So that was probably a nice little uh, a bump up, I guess you could say. But what, um, at what point, was the Olympic dream kind of either realized or kind of almost, I guess, accepted, like saying like, oh, wow, like this is something I could possibly do. Like at what age or, or was there a particular competition that that happened in? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. Like I said, I grew up in that environment always around sports. So I grew up like thinking I was going to play in the NBA mm-hmm. because of my dad. I grew yep. up, you know, thinking I was going to dive in the Olympics. I was going to play football in college. Like, you know, I just those were all assumed things that I would mm-hmm. do. Um, that's the kind of thing you do when you're young. Um, but I would say when I was like, you know, 13, 14, um, I won my first junior national title around 13. And that's when I started thinking, all right, like, you know, maybe this is something I want to focus on. Um, 14, 15, I just started taking it really, really seriously. And that was when I think my mindset kind of changed. And it's funny. It's almost like the further you are from the Olympics, the more you believe you can do it. And it's actually, as you get closer, it becomes tougher and tougher because it's like this reality sets it of how difficult it is to qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was, you know, at a young age, it was easy to have that dream. And then as you get closer and closer, it's like, man, like this is, this is no easy task. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, I was going to be um, a baseball player and now I'm like five, six and I don't think that there's too many five, six MLB players, but Hey, it is what it is, right? I can still watch the world series and enjoy it. Um, right. So you're there, you're doing a lot, you're getting more serious at what point, And, and I guess, why did you decide Indiana university was the correct place for you to go to school? become a, a, a person, let's be honest, and, and also realize your Olympic dreams. Right. Um, you know, well, it's funny. I actually went to Texas for a year. Oh, sure okay. That. Yeah. I, uh, I went my, my freshman year at Texas. Um, the coach that's currently at IU, uh, Drew Johansson, who he's my guy. I'll, I'll end my career with him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no one else I really want to die for. Um, he was at Duke at the time. And so growing up at UMass and not having a lot of resources, I was sort of bound and determined to leave there and, and find a place mm-hmm. that, was, mm-hmm. that had it all. You know what I mean? I want no stone unturned. I'm going to be with people who have all the technology, who have, you know, all the resources possible to find out how good you can be. I didn't want to leave anything on the table. And so I sort of felt like when, when coach was at Duke then that, you know, that, that wasn't something I wanted to do. I didn't want to go back to a place that didn't have a lot of resources, which funny enough, I mean, you think of Duke basketball and stuff. I huge Duke basketball everything. fan here. So yeah, they, yeah. But I can understand right. maybe diving isn't their, uh, their bread and butter. Yeah, their, their diving team isn't really well supported, and so uh, which is unfortunate. But so I actually went my freshman year at Texas, which was an unbelievable experience. Matt Scoggin um, is the coach there, and he is absolutely phenomenal. Um, he's great. And I, I learned so much there about, you know, really competing, I thought was the biggest thing there, and like really just how to go to war with people. Um, and that was something that I, I took with me when I left. But, you know, 
I sort of knew at some point that I had to, I had to get connected with, uh, with Drew. Uh, he was the guy I sort of knew would, would give me what I didn't have. I felt like I was a good competitor, a really hard worker. That wasn't where I was lacking. And what he is is just the best technical coach, I think, in the world. And so uh, I thought that's what I was lacking. And for us to get connected would be the difference that would help me, help me achieve my dream. And so what was that decision like? I mean, to decide on Texas and then a year later kind of take that back almost. And I understand you have to look out for number one. You have to do what you think is right. But so, so what was that like? I mean, at such a young age, 18, 19 years old, making two huge decisions in back-to-back years, um, knowing that it might not be the right decision. decision. Yeah. You know, when I was young, I, I wasn't part of a club. Every time I went to the pool was because I wanted to be there. And so I mm-hmm. think at a young age, I really started to understand like what I wanted and what I was willing to do for it. And I also found out, you know, how extreme it was that I was mm-hmm. going to go to be good. Um, and because of that, you sort of, you sort of realize I'll do whatever it takes to make this happen. And so it was, it was tough in Texas, you know, certainly to leave that team. We, uh, we actually almost won a national championship that year. And since then they've, they've won, I think three or four in a row. So they, they've, they've been great. Um, mm-hmm. But that was tough to leave that knowing that I wanted to win a national championship as a team. Um, but for me, it was like, you know, all of this is because I want to get to this, this one goal. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny. I, I always tell people, like, before you make an Olympic team, you, you would do anything to make an Olympic team. There's, there's nothing you would not do to put yourself on that team. And after you sort of realize, like, man, a lot of that stuff wasn't worth it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's this, you know, there, there's more to life than just that experience. But I, uh, I absolutely just knew what I wanted. And so mm-hmm. for that, it was, it was an easier decision than you think. And man, you got it. So uh, clearly it was, it was worth it in, in some regards, but obviously I'm never going to be in that position. So we appreciate everything you do and thank you for that. Um, so at Texas, leave, come to Indiana. Um, and, uh, you know, again, just looking at some of these accolades I have in front of me, three-time NCAA champion, 2014 NCAA Diver of the Year, and a nine-time NCAA All-American. One, I only went to school for four years. Explain the nine times for me. I, how many events are you competing in, or are you just crushing it in, like, three different events? Yeah, well, that's it. We get Divers get three events. Okay. So, uh, you have, I, I, I really do two. I do uh, springboard events, one meter and three meter. Uh, my freshman year, I did tower, um, more of a team thing to mm-hmm. get points for the team and siblings. Um, but, yeah, so I guess I finaled, I A finaled in, both springboard events all four years and made a tower a final my freshman year. Okay. So and nine times. Yeah. That's not that bad. That's, that's not that bad. So, so your freshman year, again, going back to Texas, you were clearly doing very well. I mean, like, again, you, your team almost won an NCAA championship. And as you said, you were just, you, you, you were a, the best in the country at a couple different things. I mean, what, um, Again, going back to that decision, did that make it significantly harder to realize that you were kind of on your way already? Yeah, I mean, I, I had to really take a minute and try to be really self-aware because I've been really, that was the year that I was the NCAA Diver of the Year. Um, that was my, my freshman year was my most successful NCAA year. Wow. Uh, surprisingly, yeah. A yeah. lot of that is, is the mentality shift when I got to Indiana, I think. But um, so yeah, for me, to, for me to step back and say like, you know, this isn't enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was, it was tough, but I just, I really did look and just like, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. you know what what i've done here like that's that's one thing but you know to get to that next level to mm-hmm. go to olympic games to win a medal that's a completely different thing that we're talking about and uh explain it to right. me actually because like i don't know i'm pretty ignorant on it and i'm sure the audience would actually like to hear because again if you're one of the be- like because what i understand and which is very little of swimming and diving is a lot like one of the highest levels is the college right like right 
the professional ranks, let's call it, isn't quite the same as it is with college. So if you're one of the best in the country at, at one of the highest ranks, to me, that sounds like you were well on your way, but to you, clearly there was a difference. So if you could actually explain that a little bit more and, and give us a bit of an understanding. Yeah, it's a couple different things. Um, you know, like I said, at Texas, I really learned how to compete and I really mm-hmm. learned how to go to war and that sort of culminated into that NCAA championships. But um, in terms of my body of work and where my, my diving was, um, like for example, there's a couple dives you really need to have to have been on that high international stage. Um, mm-hmm. One would be a 109, which is a front four and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I wasn't, I just wasn't able to get that dive while I was at Texas. And part of that was like my age and that stuff. But also just technically, I was really lacking some things. And I was at the time where I didn't know what I didn't know. It yeah, wasn't like, uh-huh. you know, I, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I just, I knew that I wasn't lacking strength. I wasn't lacking confidence. I wasn't lacking anything like that. It was just like, there's technical information that I need to find out. And that information is at Indiana. That mm-hmm. information is with Drew. Um, so I would say more than anything, it was that. It was, it was mm-hmm. knowing that my diving technically had to get better. Um, and, you know, I, it's tough. It's like one weekend doesn't define you. Like at Texas, like that one weekend didn't define how good I was in a mm-hmm. positive way. But then it's like, also, you have to look forward and be like, well, there are a few weekends that will define you later on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's a little complicated in that way. But I just knew that the level of diving needed to improve. Um, and I couldn't be sort of, I don't want to say like blinded or sidetracked mm-hmm. by this as one piece of success because it wasn't, it wasn't going to be enough to, to continue to carry me down. I mean, being that self-aware at 18 or 19 years old, I think is absolutely impressive. Um, Again, just having all these accolades, doing so well and actually understanding like, wait, nope, I'm not even anywhere near I want to be and understanding what you have to do to get there. And I mean, I I can only assume how hard that decision was. So again, thank you for being you. And I'm just going to keep asking you questions. I hope that's cool. Um, So at Indiana, you also have some pretty important people. Um, that live in your room that also you might hang out with on the weekends a little bit. Tell us, tell us about some of the people that you hang out with at Indiana. Well, I mean, well, so there's a few people that are obviously very special and I'm really close with. Um, my girlfriend, Kennedy Goss is uh, an Olympic bronze medalist. She's a Canadian swimmer. Uh, she was on the four by two relay that won a mm-hmm. bronze medal in Rio. Um, I, uh, my roommate, James Connor is a two time on his way to be a three time Olympian for Australia. Um, and you know, it's, it's funny at IU, especially in the last few years, we've, We've really just changed the culture there. A bunch of people have just come in and shocked. Like I'm sure you've heard of Lily King, mm-hmm. um, obviously the uh, gold medal breaststroker, and Cody Miller and Blake Peroni. And we had 11 swimming and diving Olympians in wow. 2016. Yeah, we, <laughs> pretty unbelievable uh, thing to just be walking around the village and see like a bunch of people you know just from mm-hmm. that. Um, but it's it's amazing kind of the conversations that you'll have just every day about just high performance athletics. I was walking off the deck yesterday. And it was like, I got stopped by Ray Luz, who's the swim coach here, and uh, he's an Olympic coach. And we just started talking about just the winning mentality about how they're going to win a national title this year. And then Cody Miller grabbed me. We sort of continued that conversation going to the yeah. locker room. And it's just like, all of a sudden you think back, like, man, like, that was a pretty, pretty awesome conversation mm-hmm. we just had about, like, I don't know, what it takes to win, you know, what it takes to win in the mentality. And it's like, you just, you don't have that every day. But here you kind of do because there's so many people that are at that level and continuing to push. Yeah. And what, I mean, I, I can only assume what that's like, just having, that sounds like a very nonchalant conversation too. It was just like, Hey, I got off the deck and we started talking and, you know, we're just talking about how we're going to win a national championship. So what is like, how much does knowing maybe before or after the fact that there was going to be so many um, of your, your co-students, what's that word I'm looking for? I don't know, whatever classmates, there we go. Um, yeah. That were going to the Olympics as well. Like how much did you guys understand that and push each other moving forward because a lot of you are in competition with each other as well right 
Yeah, I mean, specifically the diving team, we had such a great, great group going to Rio. Uh, we ended up having four Americans, I guess four Olympians make it total, um, which on a diving team is, is absurd. It's, mm-hmm. it's a ton. And we had a couple guys that were super close too. Um, you know, my best friend, Darian Schmidt, was, was super close and my biggest training partner the whole time through. And so for all of us to just sort of push each other and feel like it was all one group, it was like when one person didn't show up to practice, we all felt like, hey, like, you know, mm-hmm. we're doing this together. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't me just trying to make one team while you guys are training. It's like, we're all, we're all going after this together. So mm-hmm. more than maybe any other time in my life, I felt like that whole, that whole team aspect was there. And we were all just so, so desperate to get there that we all wanted it for each other. And hey, man, a couple of you did. I think that that's just incredible. And, and again, going back to the, the competition aspect of it, you're competing against each other. You know, like there are team events, of course, but then how do you deal with you kind of not, I don't want to say taking the spot of, but there's only so many spots and you want it and everyone else wants it just as much or, or maybe more. Like how do you then kind of shut the, hey, we're best friends off I have to go out and just crush you right now. Oh, totally. And actually that's like maybe the most complicated thing I've ever mm-hmm. really dealt with. Um, I was actually just talking about it in a meeting yesterday with my coach. We, we have a young kid on our team that's coming up and mm-hmm. we were talking a little about the dynamic of like, Hey, we're both going for something here, but we need to respect where we are with each other. Um, and anyways, um, I was telling him like, you know, what, a, like I ended up being my friend, Darian Schmidt, who didn't quite make the team. Um, I was the best man at his wedding three months after the Olympics. And, you know, Mm -hmm. here's a guy who every single day, I mean, we we went to war against each other. Um, It was with each other, but it was against Mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, it was every single day. It was like, I'm coming in here to get better than you. I'm going to outwork you. I'm going to take everything that I can. But, you know, you're going to also benefit from that. You know, as long as as nothing's like antagonistic or anything, which Mm -hmm. it never really was. um, You just have two people that if I'm giving everything that I can to try to beat you, that's going to enhance your performance because you're going to turn around and do more to try to beat me. And so really what that does is just, it hurts everybody outside of our pool. You yeah. know, and that's the way yeah, we yeah. felt about it was like the more that we give for each other, the more it's going to get everybody else. So that's how we felt. And that was, that was a beautiful mentality that we had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's always something that, that I like to ask because in certain sports, um, it's, it's you versus yourself, right? Like you versus the clock or you versus the judges. It's not really you versus another person. If you throw down what you're throwing down and it's the best, you're going to win. Um, but just understanding that both of you, it's, it's more the spots that you're looking for. I'm always curious how an individual slash team sports, kind of how that works. And you did, you did a great job at explaining it. And unfortunately, um, your friend couldn't make it. But fortunately, you were then best man at his wedding, as you said, three months later. Like clearly he got over it or maybe he didn't. I don't know. Well, I just think he had a great understanding of what we were mm-hmm. doing there. You know what I mean? This wasn't, this wasn't me wishing bad on him or anything exactly. like that. It was really just both of us like giving our best. And, you know, really what happens when, when the whistle blows, that's you know, before we dive, there's, the referee blows a whistle. Um, you know, when the whistle blows, that, that's got nothing to do with our personal relationship. We understood that. But, yeah, competing was always funny because it was like, man, like I really don't want him to hit this dive. But, like, you know, hey, it's also my boy. Like, uh-huh. uh, but I will say, though, probably my – my greatest diving memory. And I think this, this shocks a lot of people. When I tell them that it didn't come from the Olympic games. Uh, it actually came at IU. We, we had our, me and Darian had never made a, a team individually. That was our thing. I, we had never made an individual three meter team. And so we're sitting there and he's not on the world championship team yet. I'm on it in another event, but we're like desperate to get on this world championship team. It's 2015. It's right before the games. It means a lot to be on that team in terms of your experience and your preparation. And so we, we have a trials at IU and we're second and third going into the final. 
um, top two qualify. And we just, I mean, both of us just tore the roof off the place. It was, it was unbelievable. We ended up going one, two, um, winning the event. It was, it was, yeah, it was incredible um, for us to share that. We've actually texted, like, I want to say like a month ago, I just texted him out of the, like, out of the blue and just like, Hey man, like, I want to say thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Like that was the most special day of my life. Like that was incredible. Um, and he'll say the same thing. Yeah. Like that was, that was amazing. So anyways, yeah, I was, uh, I love it. we got to share a lot of great moments together. That is cool. Cause again, they, it is a team sport, right? Like, as you said, you're all in the pool together. Um, as much as it is, is an individual competition in some regards, it's a team sport. So being able to share that with someone is always extremely important. Um, and I can understand why and how, uh, what that meant to you. So one other thing, 12 time national champion, what's it like knowing your best in the country? 12 times how does like how how do you stay humble hungry fuel your ego enough like where is that line of understanding hey i'm the best but there's still more to go especially within international competitions yeah you know diving is such an imperfect sport um which is great there's there's always an opportunity to get better whether it's a harder dive or just improving a singular dive um you know making that dive more consistent so Mm -hmm. there's also a huge discrepancy between what it takes to be domestically competitive versus internationally competitive and you know I've, I've never meddled individually that's certainly a huge goal that we have looking mm-hmm. forward to tokyo um really being one of the top three individually in the world um is, is a huge thing for us so that's certainly uh a big enough goal to know that every single day you got to show up and you got to work mm-hmm. and there's there's no time for complacency absolutely mm-hmm. not I love it. Yeah, you kind of just skirted that one. I appreciate that. That doesn't it, it means something, but clearly that's not that's not where you're looking. So then let's just go. 2016 games. I mean, what was it like just the whole process around it? I want to know everything. The the, the trials cuz I hear the trials are sometimes harder than the games themselves. It's you're smiling, so I have to assume there's a little story there. Um just the experience around the games. How much did you try and take in versus just focus specifically on your events? I mean, just just start talking and as I've been doing, I'll just keep asking questions. <laughs> yeah um well actually there's a tri- trials for the trials which is which is really crazy um so you start you have to start qualifying spots for your country um, okay. it starts in the summer of 2015 and then basically it's really tough to qualify spots there it's like really elite you have to be uh it's top 12 individually and then top three synchro and then there's another meet uh, in january before the games in uh in the olympic year so in 2016 it was in january or february and uh anyways that's where they determine the remaining spots so mm-hmm. they're the other four teams in synchro and then the other however many athletes individually, which is usually determined by how many double ups there are on synchro individual. It's kind of complicated. Um, but anyways, um, you go to that meet and that meet is the most high pressure, mm-hmm. just like brutal meet you've ever been to in your life. Because so you're sitting in a room like, you know, in between dives and there's, there's 40 guys or 50 guys competing and only like, you know, 20 are going to get their spots. And, you see a kid miss a reverse in the third round and he comes back in the room and he knows like his dream is over. Like he knows Ugh. he's got no shot to climb back. Yeah. But you still got to continue mm-hmm. going. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is still he's you. Seen, and it's like, yeah. yeah, especially for other countries where there's not as much depth in diving or like that is their Olympic trials. Like if they qualify their spot, they're going like, if they're clearly the best diver in the country, mm-hmm. that is their trials. Um, so to see that either happen or not happen um, is pretty incredible. And so uh, yeah, that is like as high pressure as it gets. Cause you're not just diving for yourself or, you know, those close to you in your circle, you're diving for your entire country. You know, if I personally don't get that spot, my country doesn't have a spot mm-hmm. to compete for an Olympic trial. Olympic trials doesn't exist in that event. Mm-hmm. If we don't get that spot. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty high pressure there. I would say that maybe is the most high pressure meet ever. And, you know, to be, I think 
technically individually, I didn't dive sinker there, just individual. Um, to be top 18 is not, not too difficult, especially when you take out the guys that were already top 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's really not a difficult thing, but just knowing that pressure there mm-hmm. is, is pretty huge. So that, that was the first trials we had to deal with. Uh, <laughs> got through that one successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't on the synchro team there. Actually, uh, my synchro partner in Rio, Sam Dorman, was diving with a different diver, Christian Ipsen. Um, and they like they did an awesome job. They they actually just stuck with it and ended up qualifying by point one over the Canadian Whoa. team. Yeah, I mean that is like that's as close <laughs> as it gets right there. That's that's hundredths of a second in swimming. That's you know mm-hmm. getting touched at whatever. That is as close as it gets. So that was pretty unbelievable. And to think that I wasn't even a part of that, but that really determined if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be a silver medalist right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know certainly for Sam and. Christian Ibsen to step up like that was, was incredible. And I'm incredibly grateful that they were able to do that. Um, but yeah, so then on to Olympic trials, uh, that is another meet where certainly pressure is high, but to me, it was like, it was, a, it was a ton of fun. I was like, this is it, man. This is the stakes. Like if you can't enjoy these stakes, mm-hmm. probably shouldn't be in the sport. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so for me, that was just awesome. I, uh, I dove really well there. I felt like I was the most prepared I've ever been to dive in my entire life. Um, and we, uh, we kept saying, like, I've always struggled as a morning diver, um, diving in the morning, and every prelim is always at 10 a.m. And so me and my coach just the whole time were talking, like, hey, like, we're going to walk in there and kick the door down. Like, that's our goal. We're going to walk in, kick the door down, leave everybody behind, close it out in the first round. And, uh, you know, sure enough, like, that was the best I've ever dove in that prelim. Um, I PR'd by about oh, 20 wow. points. Yeah, Whoa. PR'd by about 20 points. And, Jeez. and uh, I think I had uh, almost a 100-point lead on the third place going into the mm-hmm. semifinals uh so i would just that was our goal um we knew it and that was yeah that was that was good for us what's it like knowing and just being that into like in the zone for lack of a better term and really knowing as you said like going into the semifinals it was almost yours to lose at that point what's like how do you then still keep yourself like focused and and in like within yourself i guess yeah, the uh, young, inexperienced me was not really equipped to handle that, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. what, you were 21, 22 20, at the time? Yeah, I guess 21 at the time, um, you know, and certainly never never had been in a position like this. You know, it's, it's really weird to, you know, you go to a ton of meets, um, and every time you, it doesn't matter if it's a dual meet, a national championships, uh, world championships, whatever it is, you walk in there and you want to kill it. You know, mm-hmm. you walk in there and you want to win. And uh, that's how you feel for every meet, but very rarely do you die with stakes that are like, you feel like are so big, you know, like more than anything in my life at the time I wanted to be an Olympian and this was my opportunity. And if I didn't see this opportunity, it was going to be four more years. Mm-hmm. You know, I might not even be di- If I don't make this team, I might not even be diving at that point. So, uh, yeah, very strange that way. And that was actually, I, I never felt like I felt after that prelim because I now was diving. I had never been in a trials of a hundred point lead, you know? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm like, how do I, you know, I, I was, I was a, gunslinger i was always the kid who dove with nothing to lose and just went after it right and now i'm just like shit like i gotta i gotta have something to lose. yeah exactly <laughs> like i i almost don't know how to dive with this mentality of like you know we're playing you know not playing it safe but mm-hmm. it's like we're just trying to avoid big misses and you know sure enough i i did not perform as well in the semifinal or the final as i did in the prelim um, and a big part of that was just me not understanding that situation mm-hmm. uh, me not knowing how to deal with it and since then i've learned a lot from that you know I think a big thing I do, I do a lot of visualization. Mm-hmm. I do a lot about thinking about situations because I think like the more you can think about the situation, um, understand the situation, prepare for that situation and all different types of 
in all forms, mm -hmm. you're going to be more prepared for that. The first time I had thought about having a lead in the Olympic trials that big was when it was happening. I wasn't ready mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, I'll try to imagine every situation in my head, like, all right, like, you know, I'm down 20 points going into the finals or I'm up, you know, 50 points, whatever it is. I try to imagine those situations and how that feels to sort of prepare myself for the next challenge that might come. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, that's why I asked. I was curious, again, being so young and, and not being in that situation. Clearly, you now know, um, you know, take, take your lessons as they come. And now you know what to do moving forward. So I love that. So you obviously make the games. You go there. One thing I'm curious about, and talk as, as deep as you'd like, you, you won a silver medal in synchro. But as you said, you were not a part of the team that qualified for the country. What was the reason you joined that team? Was it um, something on the back end? Was it a personal issue? And again, talk as deep as you'd like. Yeah, no. Uh, maybe the most interesting situation I've ever heard of in diving, uh, to be quite honest. Um, and this goes back to what we talked about where why I went to Indiana. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a front four and a half and technically being able to do that dive was so important. That ended up being the reason that I made the synchro team. Mm -hmm. um, and so what it was is there's four optionals, which are like the four difficult dives you do in the synchro list. And it can be any ones you want, but there starts to be a pattern in the world about which four dives it starts to be. Um, mm -hmm. It's a combination of consistency and difficulty. Um, and it was pretty clear to us that the four dives that were going to be used were going to be an inward three and a half, um, a front two and a half, two twists, uh, reverse one and a half with three and a half twists, and then a front four and a half. And the big mm -hmm. one being a front four and a half. And mm -hmm. We had, we had a lot of teams that could do both the twisters and uh, either a really good inward three and a half or a really good reverse three and a half. Um, but no other team was locking down front four and a half. Um, and so our high performance director sort of, I mean, we're like in April. Like, we're yeah. in April. The trials are in June. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's getting close to it. And we're still looking at teams and we're like, you know, we really don't have the team that can, that can medal for us. You know? And so we, we called sort of a, a camp in April. We brought together the five best divers in the country. It was me, Christian Ibsen, uh, Darren Schmidt, Troy Dumay, and Sam Dorman. Mm -hmm. And so we get together, and it really is just like, all right, guys, let's throw it out there. Let's see who's good with who. Let's see who can do these dives. Um, and sure enough, we, me and Sam just had a great camp. We synced up really quick, and then we just we were able to put down a front four and a half, and our inward three and a half was really consistent. Both our twist was really consistent. And walking out of that camp, it was pretty clear that was going to be our decision. Um, but then certainly uh, – at the end of the day, like your high performance director can make all the recommendations mm -hmm. he wants, but it, it comes down to the athlete. You know, we're, we're in the U.S. The athlete has has all the power, all the decision making capabilities. So, if Sam had said, "No, I want to stick with Christian," I mean, we'd be talking a very different story right now. But you know, thankfully, he was he was willing to give it a shot. Um, I mean, take a real chance that late in the quad. Uh, and I mean, right from the minute we we hooked up, it was it was good. We had a mock meet going into Olympic trials, um, and we scored. 470 like 471 mm -hmm. and like i think two teams ever have broken the 470 barrier oh like, wow okay yeah i mean we were mm -hmm. just like from the start we just connected and it was it was really solid we were both diving really well and we were both you know about as green as it could be we were both rookies but we both wanted this so bad and you know like i said we were willing to do anything to get on that team and it's funny we're, we're both very different in the way that we compete i'm like a scoreboard watcher mm -hmm. i want to know exactly what's going on i want to like be in that moment i want to own that moment and sam is just like he tries to escape into a different world like he doesn't want any of that mm -hmm. um but when we stepped up on the board together we were we were ready to go you know we were we were a team and and how did you feel about that i mean obviously it's something you wanted to do but as you said this is april and the trials were in 
June? I mean, how did you then feel about taking that on and, and understanding that the, the synchro side of it, I always feel like when you hear synchronization, your minds also have to kind of be in intact as well, right? Like all that stuff has to line up to do well. So how did you then just say, for lack of a better term, dive in and do exactly what you need to do? Yeah, I actually think that really helped us, which is kind of a weird idea, but there's teams that I think almost sort of start to overthink the mm-hmm. synchro game, mm-hmm. um, you know, and truth be told, like, there's only so many different ways to do a front four and a half. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Like, that's true. That's true. if two people are doing front four and a half and they're both really good, like they're gonna sync up usually. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as your hurdles, your approaches are pretty similar. So, for me and Sam, that was it, and it was just like, let's not overcomplicate this thing. You know, let's be together. Let's just do quality dives on our own, and let's not overthink this. And uh, I think that ended up being our biggest thing because nothing ever got too extreme in our mind. Nothing ever had to be too perfect. It was just like we're just gonna hit dives. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're going to mm-hmm. step up in the moment and we're going to hit dives when it matters. And uh, it, it worked, you know, I, it, it was great. And I think, you know, even going back to that whole situation of, I guess, like being able to make that call for me, it was easy. It was like, like I said, you know, with the Texas Indiana thing, uh, mm-hmm. it was whatever it took. It didn't matter. You know, I didn't care if it sounded crazy to other people or if it sounded unlikely. Like I knew this was going to be the best shot that we had. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was all over it. And then so quickly turning around, going to the games and winning a silver medal. I mean, before April, um, what was your chance of, A, making the games, but also meddling? And then after that, that happened, how, how much more confidence and what did you, I mean, what were your feelings like understanding, like, wait a second, we, we might really have a shot at doing this? Yeah, um, I think it was that first mock meet that we had yeah. when we went oh, 470. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was really eye-opener. And uh, it was funny. We, we were talking to the GB team, the team that won the Olympics in, uh, in Rio. We were talking to them right before the medal ceremony. And they were just like, man, like, we watched your guys' Olympic trials. And we were like, damn, like, this team is – where did this team come from? Like, how <laughs> could this happen so late? All of a sudden, we're going to have to deal with these guys. Um, but that was the thing. It, it sort of – I think a big part of why we ended up t- together so late was that my diving had to progress to a certain level, you know, where mm-hmm. I could do a front four and a half at a high level. And then Sam mentally had to get to a point where he could compete on that stage. Um, that was something he had struggled with. And he just got him, you know, he was amazing at that. And I got to the point where my front four and a half was good. So it kind of all came together late, but it came mm-hmm. together at the right time. Um, it came together early enough where we could do it. And it was just sort of this perfect storm. And I think it was great. I think we caught a lot of people off guard. I don't think people were ready for us. I think we walked in and people watched us train and they were like, oh, we're not ready for that, you know. Yikes! Yeah, um, yeah, man. Good. And I think it's incredible. Again, winning, winning silver medal. Um, I mean, was that? I guess what was that? Like your third competition together at that point? Second. Uh, Second. We had Olympic, yeah. We had Olympic look, look at that. Like, well, if you include the mock one, I guess. It, oh, yeah. And that's not even real though. So yeah, I mean, that's your second legitimate competition together, um, and you guys come away as uh, number two in the world. I, clearly, it it worked out. Um, and hopefully uh, we see a little bit more of that. So what about um, individually? Obviously, again, going into that year, you assumed, I have to assume that individual was going to be your, your bread and butter. What was it like? Um, and I guess if you don't mind giving us a little bit of a time frame, like when these competitions were and when you were doing the individual versus the, um, the synchronization. Yeah, I mean, all those meets happen together. So like mm-hmm. the Olympic trials, it's individual and synchro all together. Um, so, so did you win silver and then had to go compete in the final for individual or, or vice versa? Yeah. So I, we won silver and synchro and then five days later was my individual prelim mm-hmm. and then it goes like prelim, semifinal, final. Yeah. So. so, so how did you deal with the extreme high of being second best in the world as something that only a few months ago was legitimately not going to happen. And then 
going to, okay, this is who I am. This is what I do five days later and kind of, again, grounding yourself. Yeah, <laughs> that is, it's, it's really funny to look back on and think about it. But at the time it was kind of like, I was so, I've never really experienced anything like I did in Rio. I was so locked in mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just like, uh, I don't mean, I can't really describe like how, like the focus, level of focus I had while I was there. It was, it was definitely just a reflection of how much I cared about where I was. Mm-hmm. And uh, it like, it just didn't matter. Um, you know what I mean? It was like, I won the silver medal. Great. Like, all right, let's go individual. And that was one of the first things my coach said to me after synchro was like, you know, we had a moment where we were like, yeah, it was awesome. Like way to go. And then he looked at me and he goes like, you outdove everybody individually in this synchro event. And that's like, you know, all the great synchro divers usually mm-hmm. in the individual event as well. And he's like, you outdove everybody in this individually. Like we're going to take this into individual carry it. And like, we're going to keep this going. And I was like, yeah, like, you know, Hell yeah, absolutely. Like this I'm is pumped. exactly, let's go. it took all of about, you know, 10 seconds to stop enjoying the silver mm-hmm. medal that we had mm-hmm. won. And it was like, Hey, let's go in another one. And, uh, you know, sure enough. And, you know, I, I was okay in the prelim. Um, we were dealing with a lot of different elements there. The wind was really mm-hmm. well in the prelim. So it's kind of survival of the fittest. You saw a lot of good divers, not handle it and get knocked out. The reigning Olympic champion didn't make the final, um, wow. which was crazy. And I think a big part was just the elements. And uh, I ended up being fourth in the semifinal um, going into the final. And that was the first time I think I took a step back and was like, oh, where am I? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That was like maybe the worst thing I could have done. But that was the problem is I had, I had thought before the games and I'd spent a lot of time thinking about it. I was like, you know, we can win this medal in synchro. You know, we can win that medal. And individually it was like, I was, I was good, but it was like, I'm trying to make this team. And then like, I'm trying to make a final. Um, but I never thought like, yeah, I'm going to medal. You mm-hmm. know, I never thought that I was a guy who could be top three in the world. And part of that is there's just so many great divers out there. You start counting them off. Maybe he's a little better. Oh, well, he's pretty good too. Yeah. I could see that getting in your head a little bit. Totally. And you know, part of that was like my diving was still getting increasingly better going to the games. When mm-hmm. I was 21. I was still getting better and better every day like that. And so I think, when I got to that point, I was good enough to medal. You know, looking back, I was diving the level. I was fourth in the semifinal. And then, you know, I got to the final and I just was like, I didn't, I guess I didn't really believe that mm-hmm. I was that good. You know, and I think that belief in, for lack of a better, like making the decision and knowing that you're going to win that medal, um, which I did do in synchro, I didn't feel like I did enough in individual. And, you know, certainly moving forward, that's a big thing I'm working on. It's like, mm-hmm being able to believe, even if you see these guys that are so great or these guys, you know, have beaten you most of the time, like you believe on that day that you can take them and mm-hmm. you can take them, you know, that's, any, that's what it takes. Any given Sunday, man, I was going to ask like, what is a lesson that you learned? Well, clearly, you know, you already gave us that. And I think that that's extremely important and understanding again, you were so young. I mean, 21, I'm 26. Now I turn 27 next week. Like it's one of those things where looking back, I feel like the biggest growth I had in my life was between like 18 and 25 and each year, it was like an exponential growth. So 21 to 22, 22 to 23, you just get more and more and of understanding self-aware. And clearly that's something um, that it sounds like you were able to, you know, accomplish along the way. And it's unfortunate, but at the same time, we, we got another one coming up in a couple of years, man. So tell us like what needs to happen? How is it, how is it going? Like is, what is your visualization now? I mean, I'm assuming just gold medals across the board at this point. <sighs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't know about that for us. It's uh certainly as a synchro unit, the United States Mm -hmm. wants to win a gold medal. Um, That's our dream. We were 4.11 away from it in Rio Mm -hmm. with a rookie team, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as rookie as it gets. And now we've got some great divers on three meter, actually uh, Olympic gold medalists on platform. David Badai has come down. Uh, Steele Johnson, who won a silver medal with Mm -hmm. him in synchro on platform has come down. 
Sam's still back. Uh, we got a really good young kid coming up who's at IU, Andrew Capianco. So we got like five really good guys, you know, kind of reminding us even a little bit better group than we had going into Rio, but five really good guys that that team will, will come from. And I just think we're going to push each other hard enough and it's going to be hard enough just to make the team. The team that does will have a great shot at winning a gold medal. Um, there's a few more dives, I think, that have to go into it. One of the reasons we didn't win the gold medal in Rio was the Britain team just committed to this idea of uh, they did a really hard dive, a front two and a half with three twists. We did a front two and a half with two twists. And uh, they committed to that idea early on that year and that mm -hmm. they were going to win the gold medal. And if it meant, like, taking the risk of not meddling at all, it was worth it to them. Mm -hmm. They wanted to do that. And I remember my coach telling me that about – this was after the games he told me, but he was like – he sat down with their coach and their – they're from Leeds, and they have a coach named Eddie Hinchcliffe. And Eddie just told Drew um, when they were talking about whether they're going to do triple out or reverse two and a half, one and a half, which is a much easier dive. You know, Drew goes, "Hey, you guys think about going back to that reverse twister at all?" And Eddie just goes, "Hey, we're like we're all or nothing. We're winning this goal, or we don't care." And I think that's sort of has to be our mentality a little bit going into this game. Because our team is like, we're going to get triple out. We're going to have one oh nine. You know, and if we have those dives and we execute well, mm -hmm. you know, no one will be here. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so what is your, again, almost making the Olympic trials, the trials to the trials and then the trials, like, how do you, how do you judge that against what you would actually do in the games? Cause if you're there, then yeah, you just go to the wall and whatever happens, happens. How do you make sure that you, A, get the spot for the country, then B, get the spot for yourself and make sure that you have the opportunity to do something like that? Where is that line of being too risky on that level? Yeah, absolutely. You know, part of that is just being strategic. You don't need to do a triple out in the trials. You don't need to do a triple out in every single list of the trials. It's, you know, cumulative scoring of three lists to make the team. Um, so there will be a lot of strategy involved in mm -hmm. how that comes about. And, you know, at this point, like, we don't even really know what teams will evolve mm -hmm. from this group of five guys. So it's way too early to start calling anything. Um, and our goal, and this is probably the best way to look at it, is me and my coach, Drew, our goal has always just been, like, be the best diver in the country. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you're the best diver in the country, you'll be on the A team. You know, you'll dive with who you want to dive with, and that team will have the best shot. And so that, that's our goal more than anything. And, you know, hopefully we can continue to work hard and make that happen. But can we be the best diver in the country with those dives, executing at a level where, you know, we'll find someone who can do it with us and mm -hmm. win trials and win a gold medal? I love it, man. Uh, cutthroat. I guess maybe not. Maybe cutthroat's a little much, but uh, uh, bulldog. There we go. Bull. Bull in a china shop. You're willing to literally do anything, and I absolutely love that. And I think that's very. Um, hey man, you got to do what you well, got to do, right? I don't think cutthroat is too extreme at all. I mean, all this, right. hell know. yeah, let's go cutthroat then. I love, <laughs> you know, it. I mean, love it. No, absolutely. Like we're talking about something that you know we dedicate so much of our lives mm -hmm. to to this goal. It's like what you're willing to give up for it. I mean, I absolutely think it's it's about as extreme as it gets. Mm -hmm. So I. Yeah, I absolutely think that. And that's, to me, that's part of the fun game. It's like the highest stakes you can have. Yeah. I, don't know how you, I don't know how you could want to be anywhere else besides like standing on the board with it all on the line mm -hmm. um, and just having the opportunity to live in that moment. To me, mm -hmm. that's the greatest thing ever. So that's yeah, why man. I love it. And hey, please keep doing it because clearly you're killing it. And I love, I love hearing these stories. One thing, um, going back kind of further into the conversation, you said, you know, after you made the games, you kind of realized maybe everything that you did to get there, I don't want to. I don't want to mix up your words. I don't want to say it wasn't worth it, but you said you had a, a pretty big realization afterwards. Has anything changed over the last four year or two years now, um, leading up to two more years? That maybe either you're doing things differently, or you've kind of again just come to another realization. Yeah, 
yeah, like I feel like I have evolved so much uh, mm-hmm. since the Rio games. And, you know, a big part of it is just like understanding my surroundings a little bit better. Um, you know, what I said to you earlier was that before, before you make an Olympic team, you, you think you would do anything. And it's everything is worth it to try mm-hmm. to achieve that goal. And afterwards, you kind of realize like, ah, like maybe not. And, you know, for me, and this wasn't a realization I had after I made the games. This was well before. But, uh, you know, growing up with my mom, um, you know, we trained so hard together. But, you know, I, I always think like if I, I, I'm not someone who regrets a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I think it's mostly just a waste of time to, to regret mm-hmm. things. But, you know, I certainly just wish I had treated my mom better. Um, mm-hmm. growing up you know we were both trying to achieve this goal and it just sometimes goes to the point where I wanted it so bad that you know I either wouldn't treat her very well it was unhealthy in that way and so some of that stuff like you look back on you're like Whoa, what was I doing mm-hmm. what was I thinking um, you know being a little bit more inclusive with all my teammates every day like engaging them you know I was so focused going to Rio that like I would go a whole practice and just not talk to anybody mm-hmm. you know and it wasn't like I was trying to ignore them or anything mm-hmm. I was just, like mm-hmm. I was so locked in that like someone would say something and I wouldn't even hear it Mm-hmm. Like I was just so locked in for those two and a half hours. Um, and now I, I just think, you know, I, I do attribute a lot of this to my girlfriend actually. And just like teaching me how to, you know, sort of like step back under the situation <laughs> uh-huh. from people's perspectives. But uh, no, just like really being able to be a better teammate, um, being more inclusive with those around me, um, helping other people. I, I think that's changed a lot for me. And, you know, I, I think for the better, I think that's, that's even made me better to have a better understanding of what's going on. I think if you're not, a good part of your environment it's hard to thrive as well if mm-hmm. you're just sort of going against the grain but when you mm-hmm. really fit in with your environment i think it's, it's way easier no I, I totally agree with that yeah i mean I, I understand that you were extremely focused i mean i'll never actually understand it but from your words i can give you a, a you know I, I definitely understand why you were it sounds like the way you were um but understanding more as you said of your your environment and realizing that if you kind of give back a little bit you'll get back some more um and clearly that uh, it seems like that's been working so congratulations on that man and hey got what another another two years not even it's almost 2019 wow so uh only another year left man and uh, i expect to see you up on that uh up on that diving board again pretty soon yeah i hope so you know we're working hard and uh, we'll try to keep it going I love it. And uh, so one other question I like to ask, and again, not trying to kick you out of the sport a little too early, but I'm always curious with Olympic athletes and specifically Olympic sports, such as diving um, with, I don't want to say no professional scene, but a small professional scene, if we're being honest, what is, I guess, what's, what's the after? I mean, are, is, is coach is, um, is there something you want to just completely get out of it for a couple years? Like, have you even thought about this or are you just so locked in that this, whatever happens in three years doesn't even matter yet? Uh, no, no, I'm definitely uh, very in tune with sort of what's going to happen in my future. Um, so one of the greatest things I think about this country is that we have the NCAA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no, no other country has anything that remotely resembles. That's why my, you know, my roommate from Australia came all the way to the United States to go mm-hmm. to school here. And my girlfriend from Canada came here is because this opportunity to, uh, you know, achieve academic excellence while pursuing this athletic dream you have is mm-hmm. it's, it's possible. And so for me, that's been a huge thing. I got a degree in economic consulting from Indiana University, the Kelly School, which is you know, mm-hmm. a really, really high level school. And that was, you know, a great experience for me. And hopefully I can turn that into a job in venture capital or private equity, um, which is sort of my goal moving out of this. Um, but, you know, right now I'm sort of trying to take it one day mm-hmm. at a time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm doing a couple different things to sort of prepare myself for that uh, while I'm training. Um, but right now we sort of decide in these two years that we have following my graduation to the Olympic Games, it's all in on diving. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing a couple little things, but mostly it's just how focused can we be on, on diving? Love it, man. Well, Hey, yeah, it's always, it's always good to think a little far ahead, but again, uh, you do, as it sounds like the next two years are going to be, um, uh, 
pretty cutthroat. And I love that about you. So thank you one more time, Mike Hickson, USA diving, um, Olympian, silver medalist, potential two-time Olympian. We got it coming up. So thank you so much, Mike. I sincerely appreciate your time today. Yeah, Michael, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Mike Hickson. As I said, super cool dude, very cutthroat, very to the point in understanding what he wants to do, and he will literally do anything to get there. So I think that that is very, very understanding and, and inspirational, really, moving forward, especially now in this new year. So um, if you guys can follow him on all of his socials, everything's in the show notes. Follow us at ourathletes.us on Instagram, at ourathletesusa on Twitter. Um, check out the website, www.ourathletes.us, and make sure to rate, review, subscribe, share, comment, do whatever you got to do to boost this a little higher because I want our Olympic athletes to get even more recognition whenever possible. So thank you so much, and I hope you have a wonderful day.